This week on Dig Me Out. With your hosts, Jason Ziak and Tim Minichi. Jay, we're back again with another episode thanks to our Dig Me Out Union on Patreon. You can help us make the next episode happen by joining us at dmounion.com or digmeoutunion.com. Speaking of the union, Jay, guess who's here? Take a wild guess. The captain. The captain of the union captain the admiral the steward the union steward the jimmy hoffa of our union no that's probably not what we want to that's not a good one welcome back to the show everyone say hi to gavin reed hi gavin hey gavin hello how are we going i don't imagine there's a lot online for this going by the uh amount of responses (laughs) the voting in that got you um you have definitely this year has started out with some real obscure records. We did the Love Nut record uh, a couple of weeks ago, which has no, which is not streaming, and we had to get MP3s from our patron for that one. And um, this one, as well, that you have picked, is nowhere to be found. There's a couple. If you Google it, I mean, you get the Discogs page and a few other things. But usually when you Google a band, you get a couple pages worth of results. <laughs> I think these after like the first page, there's nothing left. It's just like non-relevant links. So how about you share with the audience this obscure record that you have picked for this episode? Yeah, sure. Um, so for this episode, I've chosen the Brady Bunch Lawnmower Massacre's only album. Uh, desperate football um yeah they were they were a uh local band to st kilda which is where i lived at the time when this came out um so this, this was a band i saw and there's many many variations of this band with different silly names um probably 50 times 50 yeah this, that's they, a lot well, the guy who is kind of the core of this band that it revolves around, um, in our street press, there was a comic book or cartoon, and he would write that um, cartoon at the bar on a Wednesday afternoon. So those comics are behind you there, um, some of them. Mm-hmm. Um, so he would write those there, and then like they just played music afterwards. And yeah, so you'd go there, have a chat, see what he was drawing. If you were an interesting enough character, you'd. Uh, get into one of the panels um i never was oh <laughs> i was, I was yeah. hoping to see a gavin in there <laughs> young gavin causing trouble and it has a uh, robert crumb vibe it does the yes. cleveland artist yep. that people probably know um so yeah this this is one of the best names we've had on the podcast <laughs> um in terms of uh, uh, uniqueness uh, because we haven't done the John Cougar concentration camp band nor <laughs> um, I mean we've done Brian Jonestown massacre and we've done the dandy Warhols but I think that's about it in terms of uh, bands with 
unique names. And as you mentioned it, uh, the, the lead singer, Fred Negro, his full, full name is Frederick John Negro, um, or Negro, depending, I guess, how you pronounce it. Um, he's sort of the the through line through all these bands, starting out with I Spit on Your Gravy in 1987. <laughs> Referencing the movie I Spit on Your Grave. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, and I see you have the record there. Um, he put out an album. There was an album that was 87. And then in 88, it was the band who shot Liberty Valance. You've done good research here. Uh, followed by then the Brady Bunch Lawnmower Massacre. Uh, this was 92 when this album came out, but they actually put out a mini album, which I see back there, called Contact Pool. That came out in 1990. And then a couple of seven inches, uh, the Bourbon Bound, Sorry, Ori, and the I'm Gonna Drink Myself to Life, uh, seven inch. So I see you have the complete yeah. discography there. I did have a, a hand, Darren from the um from the union did help me with this one. Uh, nice. That wasn't available because most of these were uh, vinyl releases, either at the concert or they got released in Europe. They weren't really in record stores much unless you were there. There's butter or copies of these basically, um, and the only one I could find wasn't available to be sent to Australia, so it was able to be sent to England. So we got it sorted out that way. Nice um, working I- together. Yeah, I like that. Teamwork, make the dream work. They did uh, follow also. You listed some bands there. I don't know. Were you intending to keep going with the ones? Yeah, I got more. I I forgot to mention that before this, in 82, he was in a band called The Additions. Uh, They only put out a couple of cassettes, one called Obsession and one called Recession. And then uh, after this, he was in a band called The Fuck Fucks. (laughs) They put out a couple of... A cover Subtle. of the monkeys, hey hey, we're the monkeys, but it was hey hey, we're the fuck box. <laughs> that uh, that oh. name came about because um, the we have well, we had two um, newspapers in Melbourne at the time, and the more conservative the two had a policy that they would always print the gigs and band names, um, and they objected to the Brady Bunch lawnmower massacre, so they changed it to the fuck box, <laughs> so they'd have to print that. <laughs> Oh my gosh! Um, then he was in a <laughs> in a band in for the, so those the fuck fucks were eighty or excuse me ninety seven and ninety eight. Then there was a album called Shonky Tonk that came out in ninety eight called I Can't Believe It's Not Butter, and then in ninety nine it was the Twits. Yeah, uh, Twits are pretty good. There was Albert Road. The Twits play music is the second album and then she may look clean but you can't beat the axis if you get vd i don't know what that means um that was 2005 there's also a bunch of eps singles compilations that they've appeared on um there's so i think there was some bands that were only for compilations similar to like what bob pollard does where he like makes up a band name if it's going to be for like a one-off so there's one band called squirming gerbil death um, the Gravy Billies, they might be Negroes. Play, uh, play off of his last name. Yeah, so I like Squirming also, Gerbil Death. That's a good one. There was one. one post that last one you mentioned, which which that was called. Uh, they might be vaginas. <laughs> subtle, very subtle. Yeah. Subtlety is not is not something we're going to be 
bumping up against here today. So yeah, so we'll just talk about uh, Fred here for a second. Born in Richmond, Victoria, Australia. In addition to being, you know, a musician, he was also a cartoonist, as you can see from the artwork for this record. This is the vinyl version of the artwork. As Gavin and I were discussing ahead of time, the CD version is actually a play on Nirvana's Smells Like Teen Spirit, and it has a baby uh, on the cover similar to Wearing that. Wearing an album. AFL jumper. That's the Victorian AFL jumper. Rather than being in a pool, he's in a beer. Um <laughs> And we've beer. got an Australian dollar coin on the hook instead of a note. But yeah, even the back's actually quite similar. I think that's very similar to the Nirvana album. So for this album, the players are, do you have a, does it list it in your album who who well, played on this record? Because it's actually not on, <laughs> online. Uh, they, I don't is. know. But the print is too small for my eyesight in this darkness. Hang on. Okay, here we go. I found it. <laughs> All right. So we know it's Fred on vocals. Um, it's on guitar. It's Gary Mansfield. On bass, it's Paul E. String Barnett. And on drums, it's Scotty Sticks Simpson. I like that he has Sticks in his name. Always good when the drummer includes Sticks or I've got some a, other. I've got a couple other members here too. Okay. So I've got, um, this is from the back of the album. Alex Sandy, who is environmentally sound pool cue, as he's playing. Uh, Terry Fosters is playing exhaustive harmonic lung exhumations. <laughs> Pete Parsons um, is playing banjo. Yep. And we've got special guests of Vivian Gay, courtesy of the Dirty Hanks. Um, who is on a couple of songs, and Lawrence O'Reilly, who is also from the Dirty Hanks, playing violin. There you go. I see that. Yeah, those three are on the last song, I'm Sensational, and then Vivian Gay actually sings, looks like backup on a couple of songs. Um, yeah, I see that. Okay. When Jesus Goes Surfing and um, Blood Money, she's mm -hmm. also on those. And actually, it looks like yeah, okay. Looks like Fred doesn't actually sing lead on all the songs, according to the to the um liner notes that the drummer sings a couple of the songs as yeah, well. It's um a little bit like um early Lemonheads. He would just switch from vocals to drums and then the drummer would sing and there wasn't there wasn't necessarily a specific, you know, pattern to it. I I you know, like whatever they've done when they recorded this was how they did it on that day, but you know, it could it, it could be anything um, in any given performance, especially because um, they could often be found in pretty ordinary states <laughs> to, for playing live music at times. And this is a band that you would see like in a bar, right? Yeah. At the uh, Esplanade Hotel, the greatest pub in the known world. Oh, is it still there? Yeah, but it's good. It's been... Um, what's what's the word not yuppies because yuppies is the 90s word but what do we call it now gentrified yeah it's been gentrified now so oh. it's, it's, it's actually a beautiful pub now they've separated into many things but they built apartments on the top of it and then um back in the early 2000s and then lo and behold the people who lived in the apartments complained about the noise from the live venue they lived on top of 
Weird. Constitution. <laughs> Who would have thought that happened? <laughs> oh, I miss uh, Discogs has more bands that he was in. He was in the Rod Squad. He was in the Crushed Buzzards. Um, apparently, he appears on Blokes You Can Trust, the Cosmic Psycho, yeah. Psychos album. Uh, he was also oh, there's there we go. There's he was in a band called In Vivo, or he sang or at least took part in something there. Collard Greens and Gravy came out in 2014 compilation album, and uh, the Wet Ones. So there you go. Uh, Fred's Fred's busy. He's got a lot uh-huh. of he's a lot of albums uh-huh. or a lot of uh, artists that he, or things that he's messing around with. The um, the cartoons you're looking at was referred to as pub strip. Um, and last year, there was actually a documentary came out, and I think they're touring it in, around Europe this year. I doubt it'll make it to America, um, only because these albums were in Europe. Um, but there's a, there's a documentary called called Pub now, which is largely about him and these times. Um, you know, the the sort of the scene that was going on in that area at the time. Got it. Well, even though this is an obscure record, we did put it up at Patreon for a vote and we got some comments uh, people who are able to, to download it and give it a listen Kyle Bittner said uh, well first Willie Dillon said I think it's safe to say this is a worthy album for the band name alone to which Kyle Bittner said Willie beat me to the comment about the name but I enjoyed this album as well so it's a worthy album for me uh, Ian McIver said I didn't get a chance to download and listen to the mp3s Gavin always brings some interesting music so I'm sure I'll enjoy the episode which would be a first for Ian this year, as none of them <laughs> have turned out. So maybe he'll find this uh, episode to be pleasing to his ears. We can only hope. We will share the results of that poll at the end of this episode. But why don't we get into the record, Jay? Uh, why don't you tell me one thing you liked about Desperate Football by the Brady Bunch Lawnmower Massacre? If their goal was to have me walking around the house singing, I've only got one dick, they've succeeded. <laughs> uh, the sound of the band, you know, it, it's, <laughs> it sounds like in a lot of ways, a band you'd see at a local, you know, bar uh, that's half inebriated or completely inebriated. Um, but in, I guess in a good way, in terms of like, there's this raw garage blues with a punk, rock approach here that's um i think really held together by a a really great drummer uh which allows like the drums to be the group the the glue to this whole thing and then the guitars can be kind of loose and sloppy and you know heavy at times or you know um at some points they're not you know they banjo in at some point the vocals can be kind of spastic or, you know, off the rails, but also, you know, deliver a hook. It, it allows the band to kind of go all, all over the place, but the drums are always pounding in the groove. It, they're actually really good at delivering a boogie. <laughs> uh, that feel, that ZZ Top 70s kind of feel, that early Van Halen kind of feel, the Black Oak Arkansas feel, like they're, they can like legit do that and then also pivot uh into like a double kick punk feel too which is pretty cool you know it's 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 again 
to have a drummer who can who can play funky thrashy kind of beats but with a lot of kick it to me is a really good thing like it opens up it just gives you that oomph like it has a weight to it and a a feel to it that's easy to understand and get into even if some of what's on top of it is a little bit abrasive or hard um at first to get through because the rhythm is there you know it it makes it immediately accessible just from a you know a primal standpoint um i like the use of slide on here you know some of these bluesy riffs that are kind of loose and um times you know a little bit hefty but also um you know not super crisp all the time it actually works really well there there's a fluidity fluidity to it solos are interesting like they're they're kind of technically competent but also like off the rails and crazy the vocal is like a mix of elvis meets jim dandy meets the jesus jesus lizard <laughs> follows that spectrum throughout the one song where you're like you don't know where this is gonna go it also kind of reminded me at times of like um life sex and death but not he's a little you know stanley from that band is a little bit more melodic and has a just a overall better voice but like the approach and the attitude to it is very similar to that it sort of has this aspect of sometimes it sounds like a drunken ramble and then all of a sudden there's this big hooky moment uh that like i said i'm walking around the house singing i've only got one dick <laughs> um so yeah it's an interesting album that way you know it's loose but it's it's solid enough that you can get into it pretty quickly um you know, which I think is it's pretty cool. Like it's accessible in that way rhythmically, and then what's on top of it is, you know, challenges you a little bit and has has a life to it and, and an energy to it, which is cool. What worked for you, Tim? Well, like you, I was a little taken aback by repeated listens. You first listen to it and you go, "Oh, okay, this is just like a messy, sloppy, cow punk kind of thing. A little bit of rockabilly, a little bit of, you know, straight up punk." And then as you listen to it over and over again, you go, wait a minute, these guys actually know what they're doing. Like the drums are really tight. The guitar parts, yeah, they're they're off the rails. It's sort of like if Neil Young did a bunch of speed, like that's the kind of guitar solos that you would get. Um, but they're all, there's a lot of hooks on this record. <laughs> Not all about dicks, but there are, there's a lot of interesting lines and things that happen and you're like, huh this is way more like competent than it appears at first. This appears like it's going to be a very sloppy, you know, uh, early mud honey esque kind of blues deconstructed blues mm -hmm. punk thing. And then as you get into it more, I was like, okay, I see what's going on here. Like knowing now that he had been in a bunch of, you know, bands and, put out a lot of releases before this it makes sense that you know up until the end of the record all these songs are pretty tight that last song or goofball track 11 is five minutes long and i'm sensational the last track is uh, over four minutes everything else is well below that a lot of these are two minute long songs which is perfect 
Like you just want to get in, hear a bunch of noise. There's like harmonica blasting away on some of the songs that sounds absolutely perfect for this type of music. Um, if it wasn't there, you wouldn't be like, oh, you know what? This needs a harmonica. But the fact that it shows up, you're like, <laughs> right. oh, this makes total sense. That There's this wailing harmonica happening. And it's just, it's fun in a very abrasive way. I think you're mentioning like, you know, the, the Jesus lizard. I don't think a lot of people would connect that, but yeah, it does remind me of, of David Yao in a lot of ways. Actually, the first song reminded me of like the cramps, which is not um, Fred Negro singing, but it has that like that vibe of theirs where it's a little bit um, dark and ominous sounding in the mm -hmm. vocal department on that song so yeah a lot of this worked for me in, in ways that i didn't expect and i think that this helps if you give this a, a good headphone listen because it it makes it apparent like everything is kind of well done whereas if you're just listening through like your computer speakers it's just going to sound like a lot of noise and if you listen to something this on something good it's you, you can hear you can make stuff out a lot better and it's and it sounds purposeful as opposed to just a racket that's <laughs> what i was thinking at first um so gavin what works best for you on this record what works for me is this is for me this is as much about uh the nostalgia of the time and the place and the characters involved as it is about any given songs on on this record so this was a very fun time of life. I lived walking distance from from this place. Um, I was there multiple times per week. Um, so there was just a general sort of silliness and enthusiasm and, you know, why can't we do this sort of attitude going on at the time, which which was a lot of fun. And then, then, then there's a bunch of songs. Like this This is around, Never. it's not a long time after Nevermind. Um, a lot of these songs would, would have existed before that. Um, so as we all sort of shifted across to a, you know, a messier sound, um, this was really appealing to me. Um, I kind of equated a little, I like the, um, the cramps and the Jesus lizard comparisons. I think they're good ones. Um, I kind of hear it as um, almost like there's a bit of sex pistols in the attitude, not so much the, the way they play or the way they mm -hmm. write songs, but there's a bit of the, you know, there's, it's, if anything on the punk spectrum, it's on the snotty punk side of things rather than, you know, um, early um digits another band i really like who um kind of fit with this um and even early black flag before rollins joined and they got all serious and they were doing tv party and you know songs like that which went for two minutes and sound a lot like this um yeah yeah which 
for me, this precedes that. That's just the chronology of how I heard them, though, obviously. Um, those songs are older, but I didn't find them until after this. So there's there's just an element of, of fun. It doesn't take itself too seriously. Um, but then, as you say, it, it is hooky. Um, and um, there is there is proficient playing on there. Also, how old am I when this comes out? I'm like 20 or something. What, what I'm 19 when this comes out. So the fact that a lot of these song titles and band names and that are kind of offensive is very appealing when you when you're 19. <laughs> you yes. Um, so a, a song I know I used to I still giggle every time he, when he does the I've only got one dick, but he and then like he sings that line. He's like count them. You know, uh, <laughs> I just have this visual on my head in my head of him pointing. You know, as if to go look. Yeah. Um, the thing is, like, um, the other one I really like is um, Jesus Goes Surfing. I think is a super cool song. I really like that song, just on its own merits. We got to address one thing. <laughs> this is this came up while we were first listening to the record. And I think it's a cultural thing that we were not expecting. And we kind of had to like get with Gavin. But on the second song, Bourbon Bound, there is a word used that in in any other context, not that I haven't heard it in a song because I obviously have, but I probably would have said we're not doing this record, but I had to ask Gavin, what does this mean? Why is this here? And then also like, look up who was singing this and like, okay, recognizing that he's a satirist and he's, he's, this is supposed to be in your face. Um, But uh, I'll just, it's a word that is not used in, in, polite or in any sort of conversation um in the in the united states or or most places to be honest but you said when i asked you about it you said it's not something that even comes up in like it's not a part of like australian vernacular really no it's not and it's uh, the uh, only time i've ever known it was in the limerick that you referenced right um which is something you do when you're six years old and playing you know hide and seek or chasey or whatever and you, you have no idea what you're actually, um, yeah, what you're actually saying at that point. Yeah. And I didn't, I, I mean, I had known that a lot of children's limericks were actually derived from things that were not actually meant for children. So when I heard it in this, I went, Oh, wait a minute. Uh, that's what's going on here. And then was able to do some research and be like, okay, from a satirical point of view and from him self-referencing him referencing himself. Okay. 
that's fine. Also, we're dealing with Australia in the 1990s as opposed to the United States, which would have been a whole different thing. Um, so if you listen to this record and if you haven't heard this record and that comes up, you'll know what we're talking about. Cause I'm, I'm not going to bring up what the word is. Uh, you'll figure it out. Um, Jay. Now we've gotten through that. What doesn't work for you on the record? <laughs> well, at first that mm -hmm. <laughs> was a bit of a, like, what? Wait a minute. Cause it's just, End of track two, and I was kind of grooving on the record at that point. Um, sort of work through that. Um, kind of got past it. Knowing what his last name is helped as well. Um, in that particular lyric, yeah, because he says this, and I can take that maybe he means himself. Um, beyond that, I don't. You know, I'm not a huge rockabilly fan. So when they took the rockabilly country turns, I'm less into it. Uh, it loses some of the edge and the identity of the band. They become like this. Um, you know, at times they remind me of a band like Zen Gorilla. I remember re reviewing mm -hmm. that time, uh, which which I like quite a bit. When they get into the rockabilly stuff, then they turn the corner and it starts to sound thin and less like kind of big and fuzzy and groovy. It just doesn't work as well for me. Um, same thing with the country turn at the end. So that's like when Jesus goes surfing, car park, I'm sensational. You know, it's three or four tracks there that that super into the style. Um, and then there's some other material that's just not quite as compelling. Slam it up. Sounds a little ramshackle, like not quite figured out. Mission, mission is possible goofball like they're okay but like they just don't quite have the same level of like polish or hook that the the other material ha material ha material has so it's just a little lack of consistency i don't know if that's just could be you know the way that this these albums are assembled it's like you get inspired for a handful of tracks and then to get a 12 song album out of that inspiration with a bunch of musicians you've assembled might be asking a lot. So yeah, I, I just think there's, you know, half of a record here that's roughly either not my style or just not that strong. Anything that work for you, Tim? I agree with you on, on the rockabilly ish tracks like car park. I think when you use that rhythm, it forces the singer into a particular style and like, I don't like the way he's singing in that like rapid fire style on Car Park.
that doesn't work for me in the same way that the tracks at the beginning of the record do with like drink myself to live and bourbon bound and i've only got one dick <laughs> that that will never not be funny that's that uh, song title i just uh, and I have to say, like half, you know, most of the other than the choruses, I don't know what he's saying most of the time on this record. So, like, <laughs> I don't even know what that song's about. I just know I'm walking around the house singing it. I've only got one dick. Yeah, it is uh, one of the most unique hooks I've ever heard. And so a house I give full it women, a... you gotta be careful singing that. I... <laughs> Seriously. Um, but I do agree with you. I, I feel like when they get into the genre-esque stuff with the rockabilly, it just loses its punch. And I like it when they're a little bit more... Uh, when their chaos is is just more straight up like rock, punk, that kind of stuff in the vein of the Cosmic Psychos or Mud Honey or as we mentioned, like Jesus Lizard, where it doesn't veer towards... Oh, this is, you know, this rockabilly beat, which kind of just it just locks you into a certain style and yeah. a certain way of playing that the other songs aren't locked into. Um, and I understand what they were doing with the final track, the the very like stripped down country song. Um, but it's I, I would probably just skip that if I was going to listen to this for fun. Like, I just, I don't need to hear that, that song. So is there anything that doesn't work for you, Gavin? Um, well, I'll start with a little bit of context and I'm going to rebut a couple of things. Um, so all the bands you've mentioned that uh, Fred and these guys are in, pretty much all of them are country bands, aside from this one. So that's where a lot of that comes into it. What we like, slam it up in, in car park you weren't into. I kind of like those because for me, they... Like, you've got an album here which exists, like the band only exists for a short period of time. The album only really defines a very specific moment in time. There's a lot of sound bites on this album that age them terribly, but also perfectly. So the idea, like, you've got songs about drinking, songs about fighting in the car park, songs about slam dancing, you know, um, songs about surfing, which is a big part of being an Australian. So for me, they're kind of put together a group of songs that are a encompass our lifestyle of, of that sn a small snapshot in time so I'm, I'm kind of glad that they're there um for me if there's anything i don't like it'd be like i think there's um woman in a pram and blood money and a couple of those songs where they get quite dirgy um but he does that sort of deeper growly gruff sort of vocal and like jason said you can't really understand what he's saying and they're largely interchangeable a lot of those songs uh, or those couple of songs so they get a bit samey so I guess I prefer it when they shift it around I guess the other part and this seems to be a, a common theme for me is the other bit I don't like is trying to recommend this to other people um, you know you, you obviously when you say this band title you're stuck um, everyone's got <laughs> an impression of what this is going to sound like um, then you've got your, your track two problem um, and yeah, like most people are going to not, as, as you both said, you need to listen to it a few times to understand that they're not just fucking around, uh, mm -hmm. that they're actually pretty good. Um, but most people aren't going to get that far and figure that out. They're going to go, they're just going to listen to it and go, this just sounds like a bunch of kids, you know, banging on pots and pans. Yeah. 
I know you say you didn't care for Blood Money, but the guitar solo in that alone yeah. <laughs> is it's it's Ingve adjacent. Let's just put it like it is so fast and so crazy. And I realize it's a punk version of what essentially he does, but it's just like blazingly fast, crazy guitar solo uh, that only happens for like 15, 20 seconds um, towards the second half of the song. Uh, but that alone is, is I feel yeah. like, worth it for that track. Um, but that's interesting that you don't like the dirgier stuff, um, whereas I think Jay and I might, not dirgier, but I guess just the, the non- um genre stuff i do think that that's important though to point out that this is it's very australian like i don't know what any of those samples are when yeah. i hear like tv or movie or whatever samples they are so i have no frame of reference to like a time period or what show they were or what they what they are at, in any way um i'm just hearing these little snippets and going okay so it doesn't have that that timestamp in the same way. Like if you told me that this came out in 1988, this came out in 2002, like it, it wouldn't necessarily sound different to me because there's, I feel like there are always bands that are pushing this like garage cow punk underground sound at some point. Um, and it, it honestly, like if, if you told me that, you know, some some band from sweden sounded like this like i would believe you like this could be this could be one of those swedish ac action rock bands doing a, a fun side project of like cowpunk songs yeah there's some moments on here where i was like oh, this is kind of like lucifer in terms of the energy and the attitude mm -hmm. and yeah some of the drum stuff and guitar stuff Looser, when they did but but adjacent to that type of sound there were some times where there's like a rapid fire delivery not like on car park, but in other places where it kind of reminded me of like Eric Davidson from the new bomb Turks, where mm -hmm. it's just like, da -da 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 -da. like you get that like hyper aggressive. Cause he even had like a, a, a unique style to his singing, even though it was very fast. He had like a, a tinge of, I don't want to say rockabilly cause that's not right. But there was just, there was a little something. There's a performance there. It wasn't just a delivery. There was actually like a performance there. So yeah. I appreciated that. But like Jay, I didn't understand half the lyrics. <laughs> like I was just like, I don't know what he's saying there. I'm guessing there's some references to, or some, some very unique specific verbiage that is Australian that I'm just not understanding. Um, every once in a while, I would kind of pick up on something, but for the most part, I was just like, I'm just going to enjoy the, the craziness and kind of forget about what he's saying as long as the is the the chorus is good that was enough this came out in 92 on basically they released it is that right gavin yeah shag pile records is um well there's a few albums on that um on there yeah i've got, I've got others but yeah it's, it's a small thing melbourne label like yeah you wouldn't if you didn't know of this band to ask for it, you would have struggled to even buy this outside of Melbourne, let alone outside of Australia. That's that's interesting. Well, things were quite... This is around the time when things kind of grew very, very quickly. Like, we were quite isolated at the time. Like, you know, this is pre-internet and mm -hmm. 
you know, even I've, I was watching um, a doco about 80s hair metal last night, and they would, they would talk, most of the musicians there, John Karabi and Snake Sabo, whoever you say that, were talking about the first time they heard Nirvana, they, they were like, oh, God, we're all, we're done. Um, but the first time, the, the moment they'd mentioned is Teen Spirit, which is, you know, album two. So right. if that wasn't getting heard there, you know, by people who are in the industry who can literally drive to see that band, then um, for us, we were kind of working in our own little silo over here, creating our own stuff. Right. Um, and then then that sort of drops. You know, we have to wait for it to be released and actually become vaguely popular before we get to hear it, you know. Um, so um, and bands from Western Australia are very, very much like this because that's Perth's Perth's isolated even in Australia. So they have some really interesting and original sounds coming out of there, which is where the scientists come from. Um, okay. I was wondering how they so, fit into all this. Yeah. So there's, I guess, I guess this is just, they're essentially not a band making music to travel the world to. They're making music to play to the 50 people who they know from the pub. Interesting. Where is Perth? If you're looking at Australia, is that, Eastern, Western, Western, Western. Okay, okay, I see. I'm looking at a map now. Referred to as the most isolated capital city in the world. It's I don't know what is five thousand kilometers from where I am. It's oh wow, it's a long way. And there's you go across the. It's just like every direction from Perth is at least two or three thousand kilometers worth of desert. Yeah, that is really isolated. I did not realize how much desert there was, I guess. I've watched enough Mad Max movies. I should know how much <laughs> desert there is. Uh, but there's a lot of desert. And Perth is all the way over on the left, yeah. which is west. Tasmania. That's where they have the devils. Yeah. That's, yes. Are those real things or are they just mascots? No, they are absolutely real things. Um, and they are as aggressive as hell. Oh my. Like cross between a wombat and a dog um, and hyper aggressive, not towards humans, um, just, well, yeah, they won't bother humans because they're only tiny, well, small. Um, but yeah, they're hyper aggressive. They'll punch on with each other. Oh, that's oh. where New Zealand is. I was thinking <laughs> that New Zealand was <laughs> north, but it's southeast. Yep, New Zealand's very cold. Beautiful place. I, I, my geography is very bad. <laughs> I thought New Zealand was, is where Papua New Guinea is. And that's on the, <laughs> that's the Northern end. Okay. Sorry. My geography, uh, at, in Catholic school did not, um, <laughs> I, I don't even know if we acknowledge that any of this existed, but yeah, this wasn't going to make any dent in the U S is what it was the point yeah. about bringing up 1992. There was, although this might've been a, underground band that like maybe some dudes in seattle listened to because they were into cosmic psychos and scientists the odds are nobody else was hearing this i mean i am surprised that there wasn't a indie labels that picked this up mm -hmm. i am too i feel like this like you could have sold this sounds very very, very like very um very much like a sub hop band or something like that yeah, it's not that far off. It'd just be a matter of getting it in someone's hands in the first place. That, that's the thing. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, like, I'd be curious to know how many 
records they even pressed up for this. I mean, was it a thousand? Was it two thousand? Yeah, no. I wouldn't be numbered on some of those. I, I wouldn't be surprised if you know they were doing all that themselves in terms of oh, like. Yeah. Yeah, I think the um, actual recording was done. There's a um, a studio in the base of the pub, so I think that's where the recording was done. So. <laughs> of course, yeah, you, we're not it sounds very pretty far. good. I mean, yeah, it sounds good. Like, per, you know, so, recording wise, it it's not a bad sounding record. Uh, a story helps. that goes along. Sorry. Well, which helps, so, you know, if you're going to be a band that's kind of this gets loose and noisy. Yeah. To me, you know, I, I gotta have a good, good, good production. So it doesn't sound like it sounds like a professional recording studio. Yeah, yeah it, was, it was, a, was a professional recording studio just that was in the base of the pub. <laughs> right. They charged them, so it was professional. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> I'll give you a story to get some context around this band. So this, this is there's a story about um, there's a place called the Ballroom, which is just up the road from the Esplanade Hotel. Um, and I, I think it was a, it was in the Thursdays or Sundays or something was there like super cool night to be there. And, um, Nick Cave was a semi-regular there and he was just like, this is probably just after the birthday party. So he's like a super cool kind of figure. So he'd be there and kind of hold court and he'd be like, not necessarily DJing, but putting the music on. Um, and these are the guys who would come up and throw his records away and, play whatever they wanted to play and go, well, come on, Nick, you want to change it? <laughs> that's uh, that's aggressive. <laughs> that sounds Australian. Well, they just didn't want to like, they, like Nick at that point is the established face of cool. And right. they want to be the anti-establishment at all times. Got it. Well, I think we need to get to our overall ratings on this record. Cause I'm really curious, Jay, based on your comments, I don't know. I have no idea how you're going to come out on this. <laughs> uh, and we'll also get to our Patreon poll, but where do you land? Where the album better EP or decent single for desperate football. I land at an EP with Drink myself to live, bourbon bound. I've only got one tick. Women in a pram. Nothing on telly and blood money. Um, you know, I'm into the bluesier, grittier stuff. Um, not so much the the rockabilly country flavors. And yeah, I think there's a, a solid EP of stuff here. That's that's a lot of fun. Where'd you land, Tim? I'm at a nine song album. I'm at an album. Nice. I would drop um, When Jesus Goes Surfing, Car Park, and I'm Sensational, which, you know, that's a pretty short record. That's like yeah. 30 minutes. But I, I feel like that's a good, solid nine song record from this band. And there would be nothing that I would skip out of there. And it would be a, a nice blast of energy. Then I can go back to my you know, Brian, you know, ambient records after that. Uh, Gavin. Uh, well, first I'm sure they'd be very offended if you, uh, at being told their record was nice. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and that you're going to listen to Brian, you know, afterwards. 
<laughs> um, yeah, well, I don't, depending on how where he fits on the cool meter. Um, right. Obviously, I'm I'm I've got it as an album. Uh, it's short. It's all over and done very quickly. Um, like I said, I think I've said a couple of times, it's very much a nostalgia act for me at this point. Um, if for no other reason than in order to listen to it, I have to dig out a CD or a USB, which, um, you know, like, because you can't stream it. Most of what I listen to is streamed these days. Um, and I don't have a CD player in the house. <laughs> I've got this computer has one and the car has one. So listening to it is 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 difficult. So whenever I get to, um, it puts a smile on my face. Um, so, yeah, worthy album for me. I wasn't expecting uh, high marks for this one. Either. This was another one of my, I'm not here to win, dig me out. Um, (laughs) (laughs) i feel i feel like your overall um if we were to take all of your ratings from all your records it'd probably be pretty pretty solid probably average uh, 70s album yes probably average a 70s album well hey you know what we're not alone the the patreon community said 75 percent were the album 25 percent better ep so they're right with us in terms of their appreciation for this obscure record. It's on, it's definitely in the, in the top dozen most obscure albums that we've done. Um, nothing will unseat null absolute zero. That is the most obscure record we have ever done <laughs> and ever will do yes. unless somebody provides us with a cassette of something that was recorded in a bedroom and never released. I don't even know if that would qualify, though. Was that the weird one that was almost like somebody trying to advertise something? It was in a comic book. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. It was like an instrumental, industrial, uh, post-rock album. I don't know how to describe it besides that. Uh, But yeah. Just seeing if you do it. And someday it'll make it to streaming. Someday they'll work out the rights issues that exist with that record. It must be very complicated for the comic book people that put it out. That's why it's not on streaming yet. But that is some worthy albums and better EPs for Brady Bunch, Lawnmower Massacre. That goes in the Hall of Fame of names that we have encountered on this show. Uh, Their 1992 album, Desperate Football. We would have never found this if it wasn't for you, Gavin. So thank you. We I'm get to sure sing. I've only got one dick uh, <laughs> as much as we want now. The Here's the important question. Does football mean soccer or Australian rules football? Uh, see, I, I have the answer for this. There's only one game that's actually called football. It's Australian rules football. So soccer is called soccer. Um, okay. And all the people who... Want to call that football? That's lovely. You should have called it football, but you didn't. You called it soccer. That's on you. Um, you can't reclaim it now. We also in Australia refer to rugby as football, and we have two different codes of rugby, but they're, they're rugby, not football. So, <laughs> yeah, football is Australian rules. Okay. Is anything called footy? Yeah, foot, oh, everything's called footy. <laughs> everything except soccer. <laughs> so both rugby, everything's called footy. Yeah. <laughs> One of the characters in the pub in the pub comics, I can't see him there, is called Footy Head, and he's literally got a football for a head. Brilliant. 
yeah, a lot of the a lot of the actual comics that were drawn were about football at the time. Gotcha. Yeah. You well, thank have, you. Um, you've got some cricket coming up over there, the most interesting of sports. The Cricket World Cup, the 2020 World Cup is being played in America and um and the West Indies. So get yourselves along to see a game of 2020 cricket. Really? We had no idea. Where is this happening? <laughs> They're putting building a pop-up stadium in New York. Um, okay. a temporary 35,000 seat stadium for some of the games. Um Cricket is a massive game on the subcontinent, so you've got a lot of, um, you'll have a lot of um, expat Indians living in America, and they will, they love cricket. Um, so you'll have you it'll draw huge crowds of expats. Gotcha. But oh, yeah, I didn't realize that twenty twenty cricket is a type of cricket. So very. I thought you were talking about the cricket. year. <laughs> Okay. It's a short game format of cricket. Yeah. And it only goes for about three hours. There is a major cricket league that is starting or has started. Uh they well, they drafted last year. And it looks like this is the first year. Yeah, July 4th, the tournament begins. Cricket's gonna be huge in America. Invest in cricket. Buy shares. Invest in cricket. Jay, we missed out on the Apple stock. Let's get in on this. <laughs> this is our chance. This is our chance to really do it. But there, these are the teams. The Washington Freedom, of course. The Texas Super Kings. Oh. Super Kings is an Indian franchise. The Los Angeles Knight Riders. Also in it, yeah. The San Francisco Unicorns. <laughs> The Seattle Orcas and MI New York. I don't know what MI stands for. Uh, M. What does MI stand for? I don't know. I don't understand. (laughs) Why is it called that? Oh, the Mumbai Indians, which they own it. That's or in India Wind Sports, which owns the Mumbai Indians. Uh, This is called. That's why it's called that. MI. Anyway, uh, yeah, I can see the list of players. Are they called players? What are they? What are they? Yeah, yeah, players. Players is good. I don't they're know. Called, they call their uniform their kit. So like, they're called uh, sportos. Yeah. What, what are the Wait What are the trying to? Till you try and figure out what the wicket is, because the wickets are the wooden things behind the stumps. We also refer to the pitch that you bowl the ball on as the wicket. When you get somebody out, that's a wicket. Uh, <laughs> Come on, you gotta call things one thing. <laughs> you can't do we call that. Everything the one thing. But I like it. Imagine baseball. It. Imagine baseball, but you hit thirty home runs a game. That's what twenty twenty is. <laughs> that sounds uh, more exciting than baseball. I actually spent a Saturday <laughs> evening watching cricket one time, and could not figure out what was going on. But I just watched <laughs> for like two hours with some friends. It was entrancing i don't even know how we found it It was just like on a it was on like espn 25 or something that we started watching cricket right after rock skimming or something yes uh thank you for bringing this to us this was a fun listen and a great addition to the always growing dig me out uh discography of records 
that we have checked out over the years and continues to expand our knowledge of Australian music that is ever growing. So we appreciate that. And we look forward to your future picks this year. Uh, I think you've already submitted them, but I can't remember what they are. So I will not bring them up. Well, we're going to, uh, I won't won't say the album title, but for me, we're going very, very left field on our, um, on our nineties album. Um, and I'm Australian. So that's right. I do that very often, but I feel like there's a bit of a, a bit of a genre that was largely only existed in the nineties, which we haven't really tapped into very much. So I'm going to give give that a go. He's talking about swing music, Jay. Intrigued. We've talked about swing. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. But we haven't we haven't done any swing albums. We've just done a swing roundtable or or interview. Yeah, an interview roundtables. We didn't do a swing album yet. We haven't done an f- actual swing album. Squirrel Nut Zippers are just waiting. They're just waiting for us. I can sitting there. We did one. Nope, we haven't touched one. Okay. We had Scotty Morris on from Big Bad Voodoo Daddy. Yeah. Talk to him. Did a little round table about swing music, talked about swingers, the movie, and that was about it. But we haven't, uh, we haven't, we haven't swung yet. <laughs> okay. We need, to, we need to, we need to swing our, our swung, swing, swing, swung or swing. No. Whatever that okay. means. Uh, I want to remind folks who have been listening, if you would like to be like Gavin, you can join us. Become a union member at digmeoutunion.com or dmounion.com. It's where you go to vote in polls like this one for every album that we do that is suggested by a patron or voted on. Uh, There's always a poll. And if you'd like to suggest a record, whether it's for this, our 90s rock podcast, or for our 80s metal podcast, you can do so at digmeoutpodcast.com. You can suggest an album. Put the name of the record, the artist, why you're suggesting it, and maybe we will get to it in a future episode, depending on how the polls go. Also at Patreon, that's how you get to our Discord. Uh, we have a great Discord, lots of stuff. We we entertain ourselves. We come up with trivia questions for each other. <laughs> we, uh, you know, like, <laughs> it's kind of like... Um, if we were in prison and we were like, let's come up with games to play. We're going to be here for 25 years. Uh, let's let's. We had a pretty good. We've had a pretty good round of uh, guess the album cover where. Yes. We were taking crop, taking photos of our album collection and then cropping in on tiny little areas of the album cover and trying to guess which album it was. And I put one up there and I thought it would take a while. And Jeremy got it in got like five it in like seconds. like half a second. I don't even think you hit enter. And he had, he had it was so fast. And I'm like, how did you get that so quickly? Is that Dinosaur Jr.? It was a Dinosaur Jr., but it was like at least a minute to like think about it and maybe yeah. go research it and double check. But he was like, and nope, I know what it is. It's a tiny little section of that album cover. Yeah. And I swear to God, it was like less than a minute. I got it. Literally, it was. He, you posted at two twenty eight. He answered at two twenty nine. That's insane. That is so fast. <laughs> uh, um, so that's the kind of tomfoolery that's happening over at our Discord. You can join in there. Lots of talk about things that are happening, albums that are coming out, uh, all sorts of fun chit chat. Also, our box newsletter. It comes out every week. With a new release calendar of albums, books, 
documentaries, etc. Which I just watched the Wham documentary was far more interesting than I was expecting. Mm. I did not know that George Michael basically wrote those songs. They were not like a like a put together pop band. Like George Michael was an incredible songwriter and producer from like as a teenager. Like it was crazy how talented he was from the get go with basically no musical background, like just from listening to records with his friend. Right. Um, and I had no idea what happened to Andrew Ridgely. So I was interested to see like what their relationship was actually like. And cause I just assumed that like, they didn't like each other at the end and broke up because they both were going to pursue stardom. And that was, that was not the case in yeah. actuality. They like Andrew Ridgely, Ridgely was basically like, go, you're the star, go be a star. Yeah. Like how, selfless is that like we we're the biggest pop band in the uk but i can't hold you back any longer you got to go do this thing and by the way you can make your first single as a solo artist careless whisper which is the third song you ever wrote as a teenager <laughs> like how Yikes. crazy is that <laughs> anyway those are the kind of things we talk about or we, that we include in the newsletter also uh when we have polls for new releases or, or not polls for new releases, polls for suggestions. We do a little history of the band in every uh, poll entry so you can learn about what we are voting on at Patreon. And lastly, Apple Podcasts is where you go if you would like to leave some positive feedback for this show. So for Jay, I'm Tim. We're out. We'll be back next week with another episode of Dig Me Out. Dig Me Out.